I, I have thoughts and I also have uh, big empty spaces in my brain. I've been really comfortable in that space, sitting with things that where you don't quite know where you're going. I was unsure how much time had passed. I was like, was that an extra short episode? Was that an extra long episode? Has it been 25 minutes or like four hours? I'm just not sure. But then this happens and I was so blown away. Hello, listeners, and welcome to an extra special edition of Back to the Double R. Uh, with it being Twin Peaks week and or Twin Peaks Day uh, this week, and uh, this being the anniversary of our very first episode of Back to the Double R, we thought we'd do something a little bit special because our episode this week is a little bit special. It's Twin Peaks season three, episode eight, Got a Light. And we'll be doing a full episode of Back to the Double R about this mind-boggling entry into the Twin Peaks series. But we all just watched it um, in separate <laughs> separate homes, um, but at the same time. And uh, we thought it would be fun to just take a few minutes uh, to share our initial reactions, especially for uh, Colin and Jennifer, who have never seen it before. So what did we think about this? <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Like, are you guys like emotionally prepared to talk about some of your reactions? <laughs> I'm not. Oh <laughs> I'm my not. God. Okay, it's going to take me a ahead, week continue. to digest this. I know. Um, yeah, that was amazing. It was completely different from any of the other episodes in this season. You know, it was a full immersion. And then, um, you know, we had a. We had a little Slack channel where we we didn't actually type that many live reactions, but I guess one of my live reactions was seeing the radio station for the first time because I'm super into radio on on TV and the movies. So that's super cool to me that a radio station suddenly appears. And I think I'm probably going to have to spend a lot of time unpacking that because it's more tangible than the rest of the other crazy stuff (laughs) I saw. Yeah, Jennifer, you said this isn't like any of the other episodes of the series so far. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not like anything that's ever been on mainstream television so far. (laughs) No way, man. Yeah, that probably never will be. That seems pretty fair. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I thought it was incredible and I'm going to enjoy watching it again and thinking about it again. Um, Wow. I was going to say maybe it's easier if you guys want to ask us a question. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's a great idea, but I was just going to say, Colin, you know, re-watching this today, I kept thinking about you a few weeks ago talking about how this is not TV. Uh, and I think this maybe <laughs> maybe is the episode that most strongly exemplifies that. Did, did you feel like like uh, this resonated with what you were saying a few weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was such um, a challenging piece of uh, entertainment. <laughs> like I feel like the word entertainment is, you know, is 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 uh, it it lacks a couple of dimensions that uh, it would need to sort of capture what this is. Um, but uh, yeah, I I did think that, and I did think that it had a lot of um, Lynch's painting influences in here too, sort of 
evocative abstractions. Um, but, you know, evocative abstractions with a kind of, you know, with, with really potent dream logic mixed in. Um, yeah, I, I have thoughts and I also have uh, big empty spaces in my brain that just want to lie down and think. Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, you're talking about it being challenging and it's interesting because I, I've been going to an audio performance series this week. That's not necessarily narrative either. So I I've been really comfortable in that space of, you know, mm. you know, sitting with things that, um, where you don't quite know where you're going. Um, and, and this feels like the most non-narrative episode that we've seen of Twin Peaks ever, <laughs> where it's a lot of it is it's visual and it's audio, but it's not narrative, you know, like there's a little bit of storyline that you can pick up on, but for the most part, it's like, you know, just bits and pieces of like, is this the beginning of the world? Is this birth? Is this, you know, <laughs> the end of life? Um, it's kind of this existential, all the great mysteries, all in one, you know, with no answers. And and I totally picked up on that painterly quality. And, and some of it felt yeah. um, almost like negatives, too, um, yeah. in photography. Yeah. Yeah. I one thing I was I was thinking when we sort of come over the edge and you you realize you're at the um at the uh nuclear uh experiment site and that explosion starts to unfurl um and then you plunge into it and th there was a quality where it is you know, it's this beautiful and exquisitely composed black and white image. And then you plunge into the mushroom cloud and it's roiling and it is utter chaos. And, and it seems like you kind of descend within additional spaces like it's it's like a matryoshka doll or you know or something you go within something and then within that and then within that and you come to this place in you know the purple world um and you know situating the the bomb as sort of the the centerpiece for all of david lynch's um you know, all of his uh, neuroses and psychoses and experimental uh, uh, adventures, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. And I'm a little surprised that it hasn't come up before in the things that we've talked about, considering, you know, how much there is about classic 50s stuff and about horror films and, and things like that. Um, but that seems like uh, a thread that will stand up to a lot of pulling. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, do you remember the first time you saw this, how you, how you felt? Yeah, man. Um, well, first of all, I had, I had, even though there are like, this episode isn't set up in the same way 
the twist in Lonely Souls is set up where there's, you know, like mm. a little trail of Bob clues that are kind of leading up to this. But there is hints, you know, so when you go back and watch it, you're like, you know, you see things that lead up to it. But when I first watched, I had no idea. And I like I kind of felt I don't know if I felt lukewarm on the season uh, until this point, but I definitely I think felt some of the frustrations that I think many people of the show felt that like maybe it was going a little slow or maybe where's Audrey or maybe, you know, where's Big Ed, uh, 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 you know, some of these things you want to get to. But then this happens and I was so blown away uh, uh, that it like it really did like help me recontextualize it. And that's when I really like, you know, sort of the attitude that I was talking about when I seen like the Red Room go there. I'm like, wait, no, no, no. Just feel like that the whole time. Okay. Like he's going to do whatever he wants and he's, you know, they're taking you on a ride, man. So just who cares how slow or whatever it is, they know what they're doing. Like there's a plan for everything and you're going to be okay. All right. You're through the nuclear bomb. (laughs) Uh, uh, Like I don't have to be like literally shook back by like the volume of the, you know, the Pendereki just like punching you in the stomach and in the chest. Like, okay, we're good, man. Like, but man, it's so amazing. And like, I was at uh, Mopop this weekend with my mom and I was talking about this over the Slack, but like they needed to do an exhibit of Twin Peaks at the Mopop. And one thing they could do at the Mopop, they have that sky church with the screen, like this needs to be projected on like the largest screen possible, man. Like you gotta, you know, if you're watching it on your phone, I mean, whatever, watch however you want to watch Twin Peaks. I'm not judging, man. But like, if you ever really wanted to like, have one on the big screen this is the one with amazing audio too that would be Mm -hmm. incredible big screen surround sound that's a great idea i have a buddy down there in programming i'm gonna get on the phone no we should um, (laughs) and and and, you know jennifer it's so funny when you put like um cooper 3000 for uh uh, last week's episode i'm like has she seen it already is she cheating man like (laughs) no like like, like, so so i hope you're like happy with like that this is basically lynch's you know uh, uh, you know, Lynch's effing Stanley Kubrick UMFer moment, right? He's just gonna outdo him, man. Totally. Well, yeah. and it's totally, it's totally been building up to that, you know, because that other, um, you know, oh, I forget what episode it was, but you know, there's that place that, um, that I liken to a spaceship, you know. So I, I feel like there's been so much that's been building to it, and that we've got David Bowie, you know, in the background. So, um, I'm not. I'm not surprised that uh, that I was getting that feeling before this episode. Where did you think David Bowie was in, in, in this episode? Oh, no, I just mean Twin Peaks. Like, the, oh, okay. you know, there've been these elements of, you know, Space Oddity, to, you know, 2001. There've been all these little hints that, that might lead you to this place. I remember the first time I saw this and... <clears throat> For a little while, I kept wondering like when it was going to come back to the main narrative. And then there was a moment where I was just like, it's just going to be this. This is this is just <laughs> what this is going to be. And then it ended. And I was I felt like I was unsure how much time had passed. I was like, was that an extra short episode? Was that an extra long episode? Has it totally. been 25 minutes or like four hours? I'm just not totally. sure. And yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that I saw this for the first time in the dark on a big TV, because I feel like, you know, short of, you know, projecting it uh, in the sky church or whatever, I feel like that's, 
the best experience for this. And I remember, you know, when I was watching this season the first time, I was going over to a friend's house to watch some episodes because he had a, a big TV and a good setup. But the ones I was watching at home, the only way I could watch them was on a little tablet. And I'm so glad that this was not one that I saw for the first time on a little tablet because it's just so huge. And when you're like rushing through the fire and the globules and <laughs> whatever, it's just, it's just stunning. It's, I mean, I feel like most of this episode could stand on its own as like a standalone art film, completely separate from Twin Peaks. Well, and you know, they, this is, I believe the first episode of Twin Peaks where you don't go to Twin Peaks. Yeah, not once. Not one time. So Although uh, that as gold, far as we know. <laughs> yeah. That that gold ball with Laura's face in it, when you know, you notice when it goes to the globe, if you're watching its track, it is clearly pointed towards Washington. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> well, and, and well, you know, they do the same thing with the well, you know, the egg or the bug that gets basically sent down to New Mexico, right? You're like it's yeah, there's a lot of really, really fun details that we'll probably talk about a little bit more. Uh, uh, um, but, you know, Damon, did you notice anything watching it this time that you hadn't noticed before? Um, I don't know if I did, but I probably of the new of the third season, this is probably the one I've seen the most because, you know, you watch it and then you're just like, I, I, I need another look at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that I I'm not sure that I did. What about you, Jonathan? Did you see something new? Yeah. All right. So and whatever, we'll do this one now because it's easy. All right. So in the uh, 1956 scene, right, uh, uh, the girl picks up a penny. And of course, who's on the face of the penny? Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. All right. And hey, we've talked about Lincoln a little bit before. Right. So. Uh, Robert Broski, who plays the woodman, this is the water, this is the well. Uh, he does Lincoln. He's like a professional Abraham Lincoln. So there you go. That's one thing that I picked up this time around. <laughs> oh, what a weird little connection. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, he's, he, you know, he's coming, man. He's basically already there. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So interesting that, uh, that we are still pulling back from Twin Peaks, uh, the, sh- the show uh, and the town um, to see more of the, um, the, the universe, to see more of this strange functioning, whatever, you know, whatever these rules might be or whatever these, um, these, you know, sort of laws of creation of the Lynch verse might be, um, you know, I think we touched on the fact that he, uh, that Lynch uh, is a a strong uh, devotee of uh, transcendental meditation, which is one particular type of meditation that you can do among many. Um, But, uh, you know, a lot of this was very meditated. Even the chaos stuff was, was very meditative. And I think that that has something to do with the uh, time distortion that you're talking about, Damien. Cause I definitely, I definitely felt that I thought it was going along. And then I thought, Oh, this is really short. And then my watch beeped and it was like an hour is up. And I was like, that can't be, it can't be. 
just amazing. Just amazing. By the way, um, when we talk about Mopop for uh, listeners out there, uh, if you don't happen to know, that's Seattle's Museum of Popular Culture. Uh, and we'll include a link to that. It's a fantastic organization uh, that does uh, amazing stuff. And the Sky Church is a screen situated uh, at sort of at the central hub of that of that building, um, which is what forty feet, sixty feet. It's tall? two stories at least. Yeah, yeah, two stories at least. Um, and, uh, you know, if you uh, don't live in Seattle, or even if you do, um, you know, that is a that is an experience worth uh, planning a trip around. Formerly known as the Experience Music Project, speaking of the word Indeed. experience, um, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the time you know, losing track of time, Damon, because I wasn't paying attention to time and I never kind of hovered over it to see where we were. And and when the credits came on at the end, I was really surprised that it was over. <laughs> and it's funny, like the structure of it played with um, our sense of what normally happens, um, you know, because Damon and Jonathan had mentioned that, you know, in this season, episodes typically end at the roadhouse with a band playing. And this time we got a band playing like really early on in the episode. So that completely. Nine Inch Nails, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Nine Inch Nails. So that totally threw me off too. Like, why are we getting a performance now? Like what's going on? What's happening? Like, I mean, and, and it was sort of a needed pause where it's like, okay, I'm sort of like getting my wits about me, which I mean, you really need to do before the rest of that episode played out, which is. <laughs> Yeah, it's so I funny. Guess we, oh, so I guess we were in Twin Peaks because we're at the at the Roadhouse. We were. Well, yep. Mm -hmm. Well, are yeah, we? Yeah. Who knows? Touch and go there. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. We end up back on that purple sea, and uh, you know, it's one of the few familiar places in the whole episode. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's the purple sea. We're back here. And oh, thank uh, heavens! And it was like I had a moment tonight where I was like. Wow, it's it's it really says something about this episode that this is the scene that makes you feel a little bit grounded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like on that note, do you guys have any questions for us in terms of like technical details or like what the heck did I just see or like what does it mean plot wise? Because I'm happy to like kind of go over that now if you want or if there's something you just got to get scratched. I mean, maybe there's a couple we might save, but if there's something you want to know, I don't. I don't okay. want to know until, I mean, I, I kind of want to figure it out um, like any other viewer where, you know, I'm interested to see the next episode and see if it has any like connective tissue to this at all. Um, but yeah, no, I don't really want to have anything explained to me, actually. It's very open to interpretation anyway, clearly. So. I mean, there there's some that is, and there's some that I think is like clearly like, oh, that's a narrative choice that I'm glad I finally like understand or have the answer to. So there is, you know, the, the, so it's both abstract and specific at the same time, which is one of the things that I really love about this episode. I thought it was interesting that, you know, I talked about Mr. C slowing down and losing power in the last yep. episode. And, um, and this time around, he's more back, more back to his old self. Um, he's, you know, a little less robotic. Um, at the beginning and 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 so that was interesting like you know i was wondering if that was because now he's out 
doing his bad things again. So, you know, he's starting to re-energize and then something happens. <laughs> so God only knows. <laughs> I, uh, I, I really appreciated the, uh, the nods to horror in this, um, to classic, uh, you know, American horror films. And, um, in addition to the fifties stuff, uh, one of, one of the, the little brush strokes that I thought was, uh, Mr. C sitting up like that after, you know, it, it looks like he's been torn to pieces that was happening. And I was like, Oh, he's not dead. He's not dead. There's no way he's dead. He's coming back. <laughs> and then he pops right up like Jason in, uh, in, uh, uh or, uh, like Mike, uh, Mike Myers in, um, uh, Halloween. Oh my God. Um, There's so much like scary horror stuff, like the older couple who's in the car and you're just like, Oh, oh my God. God, something terrible is happening. And you're hearing these like <laughs> God awful sort of, I forget if it was moans at that point. Like, you know, the sound in this episode is just, yeah. Her sound incredibly is incredibly spooky. And... Yeah. The, the, no, those sounds were like the same ones that I thought were like, like when you watch lonely souls and you hear Maddie scream and it, kind of sounds like that muted like moan because it's like played in slow motion and distortion i'd be like it might even be the exact same sound just you know kind of toned down a little bit i definitely picked that one up when the, yeah you know, that couple was in the car yeah that's like the beginning of so many horror films right one of those old cars on the road and there's 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 something in the there's something in the road <laughs> Any, uh, any last, um, last thoughts before we call it a night? So I want to, um, maybe like just put out a couple of food for thought items out there for us. Um, I really want, like, if you're going to rewatch it again, or like, I'm sure you will the whole stretch where it basically led like the Pendereki kicks in, right. Where you see, you know, the atomic bomb and it just, you know, kind of keeps going up until basically the point where, we get to the giant and a senorita Dido in the top of their tower. So just, you know, at any point in there, like kind of what was your favorite part or, or, or like what was the most effective for you or like, you know, how did it affect you? Like in a, you know, sensual way, like I would like, I really wanted to discuss that, you know, and not just be like, Oh, well, there was an explosion that went on for, you know, forever and kind of not talk about it. Cause I think it is important that we talk about like, you know, what Lynch is trying to do there with, you know, not just your eyes, but sort of like, you know, your ears and all your other senses too. And then I want you guys to formulate a theory about who the girl is. Mm. Like, I know we don't do that very often, but I want you to think about who that is because there's enough information that you've seen in the whole run of the show where you might be able to like put that together. And if you get it right, and maybe we tell you, maybe we don't, uh, uh, it will only, I think, enhance the experience of this show going forward. So, uh, uh, you know, just take a stab at that, because that was, I think, my biggest question coming out of this episode is like, well, you know, who's the kids or who's the girl? Yeah, both both of those things from the, you know, sort of the care and attention put into that sequence that you're talking about, Jonathan, and then also the you know, sort of the, the, the time and detail put into everything that leads up to, you know, her, her being, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, chosen by that creature. Um, the strong emphasis there indicate that those are those are things to spend some time on. That's all I wanted to say. We'll talk about it way more, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, folks. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for this freeform discussion of season three, episode eight. We'll be talking about this episode uh, in a more structured way uh, as an order as a normal episode of our podcast for our February 24th Twin Peaks Day and one year anniversary episode. We've also got some other fun stuff coming out on the website soon, including another playlist and uh, maybe some other goodies for you. So make sure to check out backtothedoubler.com for all of that. As always, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can email us with your thoughts about this episode at backtothedoublr at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.